Looking to gain self-worth and clarity in your relationships? Check out Christine Wilson's book, The Screensaver. Christine was born in London, England, and she was raised by parents of West African origin. She hailed from a background where it is taboo to talk about infidelity. The book describes the disintegration of a beautiful marriage. Trust vanished, egos kicked in, and the union was killed. Check out The Screensaver now. It's available on Amazon.com. Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. A reflection from Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Thus ends the reading. Petty, petty, petty. Ain't it petty, Jamie? Ain't Jesus a trip? Mm-hmm. Jesus is a whole hot mess in this passage mm-hmm. of Scripture on several levels. But we could talk about that after this adventure that you're going to share with us that is so lit. Okay. So about five years ago, it was spring break in New Haven. And I had only kind of heard of Wendy Williams and seen her in passing on my TV screen. I wasn't really a big Wendy Williams fan. And I am still not today. She's, she's, she's real. But anyway, Portia, I'm, and I and her sister Patrice went to go see a taping of the Wendy Williams show in New York over spring break about five years ago. And, y'all, it was an adventure. And I would say that if you live close to a city like New York or, like, now I live in L.A. if I want to go see some shows being taped, like, if you have a favorite talk show, even a talk show that you don't totally love, like, it's actually really fun to go. You can get to be part of the audience. Um, A lot of these places you get to go for free. You just have to, like, get tickets in advance. And, you know, you stand outside, they'll let you in. You get to be part of the audience. You know, with Wendy, you get to do the whoop, 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 whoop thing. And uh, she comes out into the audience. She talks to the audience during the commercial breaks. And it's really just kind of fun to see what happens behind the scenes. But I bring up Wendy Williams, A, because I told you all I was going to start doing some throwback adventures. Um, But also because this is our Adventures and Petty episode. And, like, Wendy Williams is so the queen of shade and petty. And while a lot of things she says I disagree with, she definitely, for any um, uh, woman of color who's out here uh, talking and throwing shade and being petty, Wendy Williams is definitely a foremother of that tradition. So we definitely have to give big ups and a shout out to Wendy for creating this space for us to be publicly petty and shady in the public square. So thanks, Wendy, for that. Not thanks for some of your content, but thanks for that. (laughs) Oh, thank you for your content. (laughs) Well, Jamie, I remember that day. And I also remember it being really, really cold um, and us standing outside. But I've gone to the Wendy show a couple times. And like you said, it's a lot of fun going to, like, those shows. And I like going – to Wendy in particular, not because of what she says. And I actually stopped watching Wendy um, because just for my own soul, (laughs) for my own intake, um, I'm just not into, like, big celebrity gossip anymore, like, in general. Um, It's one thing, like, if a celebrity makes a headline, but, like, just in terms of just, like, their personal private lives, like, I just don't care anymore. (laughs) Like, I guess I've matured in that sense. Like, you know, something happens when you turn the corner on 25 and then you become – uh, an upper 20s type of person. Um, and so I 
say that to say I really enjoy her show behind the scenes because it's like a big party, and it's yeah. a lot of fun, and they do giveaways, and they do, you know, laugh and music behind the scenes, and so those are always really, really fun. So if you ever get an opportunity to go to one of these shows, y'all, like Jamie said, get yourself a ticket and go. It's a lot of fun. You, you will not uh, be disappointed. Yeah. Yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep, yep. So, Jamie, what are we doing today? Girl. Well, we're going to see how this works. We, uh, we know you all love the Petty Pearl segment. And so, you know, we are, what, four weeks into the season of Lent right now, Portia, right? And mm-hmm. um, uh, the season of Lent, for those who don't know, in the Christian tradition, it's the 40 days, roughly 40 days, not exactly 40 days, roughly 40 days, leading up to um, Easter, in which we remember um, Jesus' 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness. And, like, I don't know, like, Lent can be a really tough season. Like, I feel like when you open yourself up to, like, letting go of mess and to, like, opening yourself up to the whatever new things God has for you, a lot of mm, petty might be the right word for it, but also just, like, challenges get thrown your way. And so we wanted to kind of take a break from the kind of seriousness um, that kind of characterizes this season. You know, winter is ending. We're getting ready for spring. And we just wanted to take some time just to, uh, like, spend an entire episode doing y'all's favorite segment, which is Petty Pearls. So, Portia, do you want to get started uh, with a petty moment? Yeah. So I'm going to pick back up on how I said that Jesus is petty, um, particularly in this text. And so I look at this text uh, from Matthew, and I think about how Jesus is, you know, he does several, several healings. And I think about this uh, text here in Matthew next to Mark 9 where Jesus heals a little boy and his father brings the boy and needs his boy to be healed. And Jesus does heal after some other talk and some other uh, discussion. But I think about how this woman is bringing her daughter to Jesus, who's also demon-possessed, just like that boy was, who, who was brought to Jesus by his father. And so without rebuttal, Jesus kind of, you know, healed the boy. I mean, you know, they had some exchanges. But I just think about how Jesus is treating this woman in particular and how he's giving her the roundabout way to healing her daughter. It's kind of like he gives her all this, drama, all this issue, all this flack. It's like, yo, Jesus, either you're on a healer or you're not. Like, you either came to save all people or you didn't. And it's like, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. It's like, okay, Jesus, well, what does that mean? So are you the savior of the whole world or are you just a savior to Israel? And so I just kind of find it interesting how Jesus is kind of being a little choosy here. You know, he kind of snaps back at her. All she was doing was asking a simple question. She pressed her way to Jesus like everybody else did. But Jesus is being a little rude. Why? Because she's a Canaanite. Okay, Jesus, like, get your life, Jesus. And I need Jesus to act right. And so I just want to kind of point that out, that we as a church like to paint pictures of Jesus as this meek and mild and soft and warm and, you know, prepubescent with blonde hair and blue eyes and no facial hair, Jesus. And we just love to kind of make him seem like he's, a young Mr. Rogers of some sort. Um, and I love Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, by the way. Uh, and it's just kind of like, yo. But Jesus had moments where he kind of really leaned into those human sides of himself. And so I just wanted to kind of point that out as like a, a light but not so light petty moment. So that is a light, uh, a light description of a deeply petty moment that Jesus has. And that's actually kind of problematic and rubs a lot of us scholars um, the wrong way when we really look at that text. And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there as the start of our conversation on today. You did not say we like to see prepubescent blonde Jesus. <laughs> did you catch it? Did, did you catch it? Okay. Prepubescent. <laughs> Did you catch it? <laughs> I threw that out there. Yes, I did. <laughs> because the church people are petty with painting this image of Jesus that is not real. It's false. It's like, first of all, Jesus did not look like that. Um, <laughs> with this straight, you know, semi-waved yassy here. Like, come on. Like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There's nothing woolly about that. Come on. But anyway. But I think Next. it is a problem. Um, like it's a big, it's a big problem. I think in terms of just even the way that, and we don't really do this so much as Baptists, 
but um, more liturgical churches do. And I know you and I have gotten into it since uh, we've been around different traditions and learned some of the more traditionally liturgical ways to craft a church year. Um, but, like, it is really weird because Jesus, we spent a lot of time with Jesus the baby, right? That's the entire season of Advent. And then we spend a lot of time with the public ministry, 30 to 33, ignoring a lot of those times when Jesus is kind of doing problematic things to women, even though mm, the women are really the ones who are pushing his ministry forward. The men are falling asleep on him. But that's another issue. But just the way the church here is set up is really like Jesus goes from, like, baby to this, like, meek and mild Savior who, like, is just so innocent. And then they kill him, and it's so sad. And then he gets up, and then that's it. And it's like we really miss out on the kind of, like, nitty-gritty of, like, yes, he was fully God, and we receive that, and we treasure that. And, you know, you and I are huge Jesus fans, so yes. That being said, like, Jesus was also fully man, and we need to grapple with what that means and uh, how some of these patriarchal, heteronormative nonsense we'd either place onto Jesus or that Jesus was indeed enacting um, in terms of that public ministry that we see but that we don't often talk about on Sunday morning during worship. So I think that's an important thing to wrestle with because you were right. Like, not only was Jesus not prepubescent and blonde <laughs> definitely not blonde definitely not didn't have four blue eyes right blue eyes but like furthermore jesus was like like we only get one story with jesus being prepubescent at all and yet as you've stated we really want this like meek and mild like poor baby kind of jesus and it's like mm, we need to like really think that through is that really who we believe our savior to be this meek and mild passive like Jesus was overturning tables. Like, Jesus was out here. Jesus was kind of, like, living that thug life. Like, Jesus, like, is a seminarian who goes to seminary and then comes home and stands up in church and was like, let me read this scripture to y'all. And then I'm going to put down the book and say, I'm the fulfillment of that. I mean, that's kind of, like, that's kind of bold. And then Jesus' family be trying to show up to places he at, and he's like, they can't get in that in this venue. My, my family is already here. Like, Jesus was doing some stuff where, hmm, it's worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about. So I love that petty pearl moment because that's so real. So moving right along, kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, my first petty thing that I want to talk about is when y'all are mean, bitter, and rude on social media. And, like, it needs to stop. So I understand people are putting their lives out there on social media, whether people are famous or just ordinary people, all part of the culture of social media is that we're putting ourselves out there, we're opening ourselves up potentially both to human praise and human scrutiny. And that's all fine and well. But I think there's a huge difference between being a critic of something that someone has done, stating your criticism and moving on, and like dragging people all up and down the street because you have the kind of courage that you would not have in person, but you suddenly have that kind of courage on social media. And, you know, I follow... Uh, both, you know, accounts of people who are famous and people who are not. And like I said, I know that people are putting themselves out there. You know, if you post a certain picture or if you post a certain comment. But at the same time, it just seems like there would be a way for us to be able to respond to people who we disagree with or we don't like what they post without getting nasty. And especially when someone posts on, uh, you know, I see this on some of the kind of like more fitness accounts that I follow um, where they'll post pictures of women, which I think is just, Mm, I have, like, some issues with that, but where people will be, like, critiquing the woman's body and whether or not, like, they think she looks good enough and that sort of thing, it's like, y'all, y'all need to wet up on that. Like, let people be who they are. Give people the freedom to, you know, make mistakes and not be perfect in whatever lens you think perfection ought to take. And like I said, even with celebrities, like, I know they put themselves out there. I know celebrities make bad decisions. I'm... But at the same time, there's a way to be like, okay, I disagree with what this person has done. First of all, you ain't got to say something about everything. But if you really do feel the need to say something, you can say it in a way that's, like, kind and gracious. And I have to give a shout-out to celebrities like um, uh, Michael B. Jordan and uh, Tiffany Haddish. Um, uh, Chrissy Teigen is famous for this. Um, who, like, are like, you know what? I'm going to clap back. You're not going to say whatever you want to say to me. And, like, a lot of their clapbacks are honestly hilarious, and they actually, I think, 
model that kind of idea that, like, no, you're not going to say what you want to me. However, I don't also have to get down in the weeds with you. I can just, like, respond, clap back, and it's over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we just need to just kind of work on, like, manage your persona. Like, if you wouldn't be – if you don't think you're a mean and nasty person in real time, why are you being mean and nasty all over social media? It is unnecessary. It's petty. we got to stop. Yeah, that's – yeah. People just kind of faking the funk, being rude and nasty on social media does need to stop, Jamie. I agree, you know. And I can't stand, like, like Twitter wars or, like, Instagram wars or Facebook wars and nasty comments. It's just like, y'all, is that really necessary? Like, do you have to do that to make yourself feel better about yourself? Like, go have a seat. But speaking of social media, Jamie, it was announced all over social media but was not confirmed until Monday, March the 12th, that Beyonce and Jay-Z were going on the run. And so you know what's real petty about it, though, is that people were doubting whether or not the tour was really happening because it hadn't been officially come through Beyonce. Well, you know, I hear that, but come on, y'all. That was to be expected. We knew they was going to go on tour. Beyonce put out her album. Jay-Z put out his album. Jay-Z finished his tour, Beyonce finished her tour. So what else are they going to do? Let's capitalize on this thing and let's make more money. Y'all should have known that they was getting ready to do On the Run Part 2. But let me tell you this. So, Jamie, they released the tour dates and they released the days and, like, locations where they were going to be. So we all know that New York City is the highly the highest populated city in all of the United States of America, right? 11 million people, easy, in New York. Why do they only have one show coming to East Rutherford, i.e. the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey? First of all, y'all need to have multiple shows, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Then maybe they might do a second leg of the tour. That's what I'm assuming. After they do the international part, maybe they'll, you know, do a on-the-run encore or something. Because I looked and I said, so you mean to tell me that, yes, the MetLife Stadium is huge. But y'all mean to tell me you only have one show and you know 11 million, at least 5 million of them 11 people are trying to come see her. Like, and then you have to also account for the people in Jersey and the people who might be coming up from Philly. Well, actually, Philly has their own show. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that to me, like, Jay-Z, you could have showed out in your hometown. You could have had multiple shows at the MetLife Stadium, at least two shows. Maybe they might add a second show after the show shows out. But y'all know what's going to sell out is Beyonce and Jay-Z. So I just think that was a little petty on their part. But you know what? It was just announced it might be all marketing purposes to see if they can just sell out and just add a second show later. You know, that's possible, you know, because I noticed that there's some space between the tour dates, you know, so they may have some wiggle room. But my thing is, if I just go all out, we know, y'all know we're going to buy the tickets. Like, come on. Y'all know we want these tickets. So just go ahead and put two shows, you know, for the New York area. I can't speak for everybody else. You know, no shade to L.A., no shade to Atlanta, no shade to, you know, all these other cities. I'm just saying, just go forth Godspeed and just go ahead and just add the multiple tour dates for New York. Well, that's all I'm saying. Is that too much to ask? Because that writes to me a little petty for just for one show. That's all. Hmm. <laughs> no, Portia, you ain't asking for too much, girl. You ain't asking for too much. And they know they're going to have to add show dates probably everywhere like I understand what you're saying like New York is his hometown like but it seems like it seems like definitely in their hometown New York Houston like they would go big but even elsewhere throughout the country like they know they're gonna sell out like go ahead and book multiple dates in every city like every major city like you're gonna sell out it's fine it's fine so yeah you're right you're right yeah like like, for instance, you see they're going to be in Philadelphia on July 30th, but then they're going to be in East Rutherford on August the 2nd. Like, what y'all doing for them three days? You know, and then they're <laughs> going to be in Boston on the 5th. Like, what y'all doing for them three days? Like, y'all ain't doing nothing. And you know what I'm saying? It's like you're going to be in this area for, come on, there's got to be extra days. But that's all. Mm-mm. Right. Right. I mean, I think what they might be trying to do is get, 
fans, like, real hype, real upset about it, and then be like, oh, look, we did another show. Look how magnanimous Jay-Z and Beyonce are. When it's like, y'all already know. <laughs> you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z, they're all about the image. So, you know, we know. They know what they're doing. So, girl, I have to review a previous Cuddy Curl that I did. Um, I think last March, so it's probably almost a year ago now, or maybe a full year ago. Um, so y'all remember when Portia and I did a show on the politics of the body, and especially for, like, black women's bodies in the context of black churches. And um, it was kind of when we had just kind of launched the whole Petty Pearl segment, and Portia was, like, dominating the Petty Pearl, but she had it down. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do my Petty Pearl moment about. And so y'all might remember that what I came up with by the end of the episode is my thighs are petty because, you know, they are. Uh, However, (laughs) I wanted to loop back around to that petty curl because, um, as you all might or might not know, shameless plug, um, I have published a book. It's called um, Her Body Bears the Word, and it's a body love theology. And so I wanted to kind of loop around back around to my own petty curl moment because while my thighs are definitely petty, and they, they definitely earned that uh, petty pearl moment. Um, at the same time, uh, I want to be kind of cautious when I say things like that, because I know that I'm, one of the great gifts that God has given me is a capable and healthy body, and it's my job to take care of it and to honor and to uh, respect it and to make the most of it. And so one thing that I can do, because I think my thighs are petty, is to um, uh, try to do some activities that will help my thighs to be more of the way that I would like for them to do. But another thing that I can do is just learn some body gratitude and some body acceptance, like even when things are not exactly the way that I want them to be. So what I want to say is, petty is when God has given you whatever that your gift may be, whether it's um, just a capable body, whether it's um, um, words that you can use to speak, whether it's, um, you know, a certain gift or talent that God has given you, um, whatever it is, um, learn how to respect and to love the good gifts that God has given you, even when they aren't perfect, even when they're still a work in progress even when, you know, they're kind of letting you down, they're disappointing you, um, and also take responsibility for the times when God has given you every good gift and it's just your job to work on, on making it even better and maintaining it and being a good steward of it. So if you're a preacher or a singer, uh, vocalist, like, you know, like, like Portia and I, you know, obviously we uh, try to make a living mostly off of speaking and writing, right? Um, then, like, that's a gift that God has given us. But it's also our responsibility to be good stewards of that gift. So that means, like, taking care of our voices. That means um, reading and writing a lot so that we can be better um, readers and writers and scholars, right? So, like, just, like, take care, honor, um, cherish, um, and learn how to respect whatever it is that God has given you, whether it's um, thick thighs, thin thighs, in-between thighs, uh, uh, big feet, small feet, flat feet, uh, like I have, um, (laughs) whatever it is. Uh, just learn how to respect it and love it and take care of it. Don't be petty because God didn't have to give us these good gifts that God has given us. So just try to take care of them and love them. I agree. Yeah, Jamie. I think I thank you for sharing that because you know, as someone who's also you know um, you know who's got petty thighs ish, um, you know, I mean, I've had these thick thighs and I'm a thickums. I've had them forever, and. At one point when I think, like I said, I think this is the when you cross over 25, I think that something starts to happen, right? And so me living in this body, you know, I love what I got. You know, I realize there are girls and women who are paying literally thousands of dollars to have what God gave me naturally. And sometimes, you know, we see magazines and we see images and we're like, wow, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. There's nothing better than loving and embracing what God has given you. Um, And so, you know, if your booty is big, if your booty is small, you better love it, whatever size, one and all, okay? And (laughs) it's all good, you know. If you got thick thighs, you know, it's girl, love them. If you got no thighs and they, you know, twiggies, guess what? Love them. You know, love yourself. You know, love yourself. 
You know, and thank mm. God for bodycon dresses and things that show off these shirts because <laughs> guess what? Curves are awesome. And guess what? No curves are so awesome. It's fine. Um, and it takes, it, it takes a deeper level of self-love to love what we have. doesn't mean that our body parts don't always act the way that we want them to. You know, I would love, you know, to go broadless in the summertime, you know, and mm, bare girl, you and maxi dresses. I would love mm. that. But you know what? Mm. God didn't give me that. And so what can I do? I can put on a very, very nice, you know, streamlined silhouette dress, you know, with a plunging neckline and have all the cleavage that some of these girls who walk around with no bra bareback can't wear. And it's okay. You know why? Because there's something for all of us. And if there isn't clothing or something that you want, girl, I say go out and create it. Or brother, go out and create it. You know why? Because there is multiple things out here that we could do for ourselves. And just love ourselves. Love yourself. Thank mm-hmm. you, Katie. This reminds me, girl, this is just going to be a subset. Uh, Victoria's Secret reminds me of them. Because I'm like, you know, because they, they make these bras for girls of a certain size that neither you nor I are. <laughs> and they try to act like they're mad representative. They'd be all up in my, my inbox. Lately, they've been sending me these emails about this strapless bra that, that's going to stay up all day and all night. I'm like, y'all couldn't make a strapless bra in my size. And if you did, it would not stay up all day and all night. Please stop. Please stop. So, yeah, you know, like, just be okay with whatever it is that you've got. And like Portia said, if it ain't out there, um, grab a friend, um, grab an entrepreneur friend and create it. Go make it yourself. And don't worry about, you know, mainstream, you know, like, oh, all women should be able to fit into this thing from Victoria's Secret. Well, you know what? We all don't fit. And let's move on and let's create other stuff. And also, like, related to that in terms of beauty products, like, really support black businesses because there are a lot of black businesses that are making stuff that's actually perfect for um, our bodies, perfect for our skin. So, like, also consider that. Like, consider just leaving the mainstream because uh, to our point about, like, you know, if you can't um, find it in the store, go make it. There are women of color who are out here making stuff. And the Internet is going to make it easy for you to find them. So, you know, I've been using black beauty brands. Um, A lot of women of color brands are making great clothes for us. So, like, really consider that. If you're not finding what you want in the mainstream, yes, you can go make it, but you also can just get on Google Go on the Googler, as Wendy Williams would say, and find yourself what you need and buy it from a woman of color and support her work. So that would be my recommendation on that. Yeah, yeah. And shameless plug shout out to Mentic Cosmetics who makes nude lipsticks for women of color. And there are, like, brands that make things for us. And I absolutely agree with Jamie. It's With you, Jamie, like, it's so awesome to see black women um, making stuff for us, by us, with us, you know, it's just like, yeah, support black, support black women in general. We're out here, you know, working really hard to just be awesome and fabulous. Right. Right. Yeah. On. We're working really hard. Okay, Pearls. Now we're going to share a petty pearl that was sent to us by one of our Divinity School classmates, Miriam Samuelson Roberts. Miriam is the co-host of a podcast called Alter Guild, A-L-T-E-R-G-U-I-L-D. It is available now the entire first season on Apple Podcasts. I recently gave birth to my first child, which was an amazing and life-changing experience. So my petty pearl is from my pregnancy. It's a pregnancy petty pearl, if you will. Uh, So in two separate instances, actually, women, my parents' age, not my grandparents' age, my parents' age, asked me how much weight I had gained in my pregnancy. They literally wanted to know how much I weighed. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm going to return that pettiness with some more pettiness. Do not ask a pregnant woman how much she weighs, period. Thanks, Miriam. Pearls, remember, we want to hear all about your petty moments. Send us an email at adventures at just two pearls.com. Yeah. Okay. Another petty moment. <laughs> Lord, help me, Holy Ghost, with this one. So, girl, if, if this has not happened to you, it might happen to you. I pray that it doesn't have to happen to you. But if it does happen to you, my prayer is that you be equipped and that you stay steadfast if this happens. Bank account fraud. Hmm. Y'all, 
my bank account not that long ago was tap tap. Somebody used uh, my account number. How they got my account number, I'm not going to say over this line. Um, but I was able to run a police report, investigation through the bank. I found out who took it. I found out what they paid it for, and I found out how they got it. Child, be careful with Internet spending and using, you know, different uh, methods of, you know, paying, so like things like Cash App or things like PayPal or things like Apple Pay. Like just be careful. Um, with those kinds of things. And so I don't do a whole lot of online shopping, but I do a lot of online transactions. And so I will say, child, if this ever happens to you, it is a nuisance trying to open new accounts, shut down accounts, hold accounts, making sure all your stuff is paid. Thank God I have really good money habits, so I wasn't without. Thank you, Jesus. But I know that's not everybody's story. And some people really struggle when these kinds of things happen to them because they don't have um, the proper money habits that they can cover themselves in the case that their account has to be frozen for a few days because they're out of town and can't get to a, a bank <laughs> to do these things. And so first of all, I want to say to the perpetrators of this, stop hacking people's accounts. It ain't right. Stop hacking people's bank accounts because you're making it hard for people. I literally had to go in and redo all my stuff, Jamie, my rent, my car insurance, my Hulu account, <laughs> my Netflix account, my cable, my student loan, all the stuff that was attached to this account because it was a fixed account. You know, this wasn't my, you know, this wasn't um, my, what do you call it, my splurge account, right, where you could just kind of like have money to splurge and like do what you do, right? So this was like stuff that, like a fixed account, where I knew the money, what was going out for what. Girl, when I say I had to sit down for over an hour and reset up all these accounts, Jesus, what a nightmare. So to the perpetrators, I don't know what you got to do. I pray that whatever you are stealing people's money for is going to good use because let me tell you something, it ain't right, and it's petty and it's disrespectful and it ain't right. So stop tapping people's bank accounts. Those of us out here, we need to, you know, protect our identity, protect our money, protect our finances. Um, yeah, you know, that comes with adulting. Protect yourself on all levels. You know, adulting is a, something I really, really like to talk about. You know, we got to adult. An adult, well, adulting is hard. Adulting is real. But in all of that, protect your finances. And, girl, I even had to do my easy pass over. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all these things I had to do over. And, and my Target card, girl, all because somebody, you know, needed it to pay something major. Mm. You know, it, mm, girl. And I know we don't necessarily talk about finances as black people or, you know, whatever race we are listening. But money is something we really need to, you know, take into serious consideration. And so pay your bills, save your money, and protect your identity because these kind of crises are not cool. So that's what I want to say. So stop touching people's money that's not yours. That's all. Stop stealing. Actually, don't even, don't even steal tips from the, from the bodega. Like, just do the right thing. That's all. I'm done with that. <laughs> Don't feel stressed from the bodega. Amen. Uh, I mean, girl, you're right. And, um, I mean, it's like they're saying, like you said, that you had your finances, you know, in order. So it was uh, uh, definitely not easy. I mean, girl, that's a lot to hmm, – that's a lot that you had to rearrange in order to accommodate this foolishness. Um, but it's but, a good thing that you had it. everything in order. Yeah, but get this. So when I went to the branch, right, to see if I could get the whole taken off my account, the branch was like the fraud department is above um, is above us, and we can't even right. take the hold off your account to transfer all the money into your older to your new account until Monday. I was like, what? Like, wait a minute. What you mean, y'all don't have that kind of authorization? You're the branch. <laughs> like, and there's things that even the branch can't do without right. um, certain permissions. And I was like, wow. And I was like, they're like, would you like us to transfer money out of your savings into your new account? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so, you know, just as a safety net, like, yeah. You know, I can right. always put it back another day. But I was like, hmm, child, bye. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's incredible, and that's that's part of what makes it so time-consuming. I mean, I understand that it's a safety measure, why you can't just go to your branch and do whatever it is that you want to do or need to do <laughs> in this case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it can be real difficult because it can take forever just to get through all the hoops and hurdles of what your local branch cannot or will not uh, or should not or whatever the case may be won't do for you. So, yeah, so it was a good thing that you, you know, were very well managed with your money and you were able to kind of, like, make it until they were able to transfer that money. But that's crazy, girl. That's crazy. So I guess it's my turn, and I'm relatedly to that I'm, I, in terms of all of the red tape that we sometimes have to go through to get basic things done. I have to say, bureaucracy is petty, Okay. So I've been living in California, as you all know, since September, um, and I've been complaining to Portia about it, the way that the DMV works here in California is just so much more complicated than any other place I've ever lived. I've talked to people who have lived in other places, you know, besides myself, like, because I know it doesn't have to be this bad, California DMV. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, other people talk about other places that they've lived in the country and, you know, they were able to go in, you know, get their driver's license and move on with their lives. In California, you have to schedule appointments for like a couple months out to be able to go to the DMV. Then even when you get there with an appointment, there are still multiple lines that you stand in um, to get anything done. And so it's like in the movie Zootopia, the sloth thing like is like so relevant to the California DMV, where it's just like, you can just be up in there and up in there and up in there, even if you've planned everything out months in advance and, you know, tried to, like, move through all the various twists and turns um, before you get there. Like, there's still all this stuff that they, um, they can just be petty. It's just a whole lot of red tape to do stuff that's very, very basic. Um, And then same thing, you know, obviously, I'm, uh, Portia, you and I have both been in the academy. Like, the academy has all sorts of weird bureaucratic things that it does um, in terms of the way that classes are set up, in terms of just the way that universities run, right? And it's like, people are just here to get an education, but there are all these twists and turns and administrative this and administrative that that you have to go through, like, just to sit down in the classroom for the first time. And, y'all, like, I understand. Some of this stuff is about safety. Some of this stuff is about legality. Um, but y'all are petty. Like, I still don't have license plates for California <laughs> because they won't give me my license plate. I was in an accident years ago, um, and my VIN number was painted over, so I had to go to California Highway Patrol. But they don't schedule those appointments um, except, like, maybe, like, two months in advance. I have to wait to go to California Highway Patrol so that I'm like, well, when I go there, are y'all finally going to, like, work this out and make sure I have uh, driver's license plates, and they're like, oh, no, we don't actually do that. We just verify your VIN number. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So just, like, navigating through all of these twists and turns just to try to live in a new place, and I know some people who are moving to California for the first time, um, you know, for jobs or for school, um, they uh, go ahead and work out all their residency stuff months in advance, you know, before they start whatever it is that they're doing. But I'm like, I couldn't have moved here with no money and just sit here just so that I can establish California residency. That wouldn't work for me. And the way that it works in my program, I do have to establish California residency before the new academic year starts um, for tuition purposes, which is, like, perfectly fine and makes sense to me. But like I said, getting through the state's bureaucracy and then getting through the school's bureaucracy on top of that is just, like, a lot to manage. I'm like, y'all, I just want to write some final papers. <laughs> but y'all are making me manage so much just random life stuff. And so I think that goes back to what Portia was just saying about adulting. Like, part of what we have to do is just, just be aware of what you need to do. Because the truth of the matter is if I don't get these license plates before the car registration is up, which the car registration isn't up for a while, so I'm fine with that, I'm – it'll be my problem, right? Like, I'll be the one driving down the road with expired uh, uh, license plates, and I can't do that, right? Um, And so, yeah, while there's this bureaucracy, there's the petty nature to bureaucracy, like, we just need to make sure that we have everything in order to do what we need to do so that we can go out into the world and just be successful. And it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to manage. But we can do it, and we have to do it, even though it really is. It's really quite petty. That's all. Mm-hmm. I tell you, 
people can really make all of our lives easier if they just put better systems in place. Like, it's really just that simple. But I don't know why people got to go through hula hoops just to make something happen. And that's not just with, like, DMV stuff. Schools, too. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, things could just be better. Ugh, so much better. I mean, that's just, um, you know, whatever the local governance is that you're part of. Like, I mean, I know that town councils do this kind of nonsense too, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, and it's really about someone at the top, like, wanting power. Like, yes, there are legality and safety measures attached to it, and I get that and I respect that. Um, you know, you can't have somebody up in a school who hasn't done their, you know, immunizations for 30 years. I mean, like, I, so I get that piece of it. But at the same time, I'm like, y'all are policing us like crazy. When you were talking about the DMV, it made me think about public transportation <laughs> and how I have been trying so hard to be vigilant about taking public transportation. You know, I realize public transportation in itself is even a privilege. Um, one, it's, I think it's a, it's a place of privilege to be able to have a vehicle but then I also realize that there is privilege that comes with just being able to ride the bus. When I think about how there are people who don't have fare for subways or for um, buses and things like that, and I get it, you know, the Department of Transportation also goes into the city's funding and, you know, try to make money. I get that. But sometimes I think that public transportation can sometimes do a disservice. Here's why. You have people, I'm going to talk about a transit system <laughs> where I live. So I rode the New Jersey Transit on several occasions where I have paid, and they did not collect my fare, my tickets. And so I'm over here paying this money to ride the train, and y'all not even taking my ticket. And so, you know what I started doing, Jamie? I have stopped paying for tickets. <laughs> and I kept my ticket, and I just collected all the tickets, and I just wait for someone to collect the ticket from here on out. And I was like, I'm just not paying to ride the train anymore if y'all not collecting my tickets. And I'll just have my tickets ready because there's no expiration date on it. So I'll just wait, and I've just been given tickets. And so literally, Jamie, for a minute, actually, for like almost like a month of rides, I was just given old tickets that were expired because no one was collecting tickets. And, like, I still had, like, one ticket left because it's like you're charging people all this money to ride a train and you're not even collecting their tickets. So essentially they're riding the train almost for free. There's no indication that they paid. There's no indication that they had a ticket. There's just people riding. Like, literally, it's just people riding. And so I'm like, if you're not going to collect people or if you're just going to have people who are riding the train for free, then why are we charging people for transportation in the first place. Like, why can't transportation just be free? Why are we so hungry for tax dollars and for funds in the cities that we have to charge people to get to where they need to go? And what's petty is, you know, these these transportation modes are charging arms and legs. Poles are going up. You have bus fare going up. You have subway fare going up. It's like, for what? And then they're not making improvements to the system or to the actual cars. It's like, come on. If we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's do it well. And so I just kind of find it frustrating that we're not having efficient public transportation. And then the transportation comes late, then you want to delay, and then you want to drop off people late, or you have to stop the train because there's another train in front, or we got to stop services, or you got to delay services and not tell people about the services and the delays and the changes that are happening. Like, yo, it's just too much. Public transportation needs to get it together. Give people some notice if you're going to shut down the train. Give some people notice if you're going to shut down the bus. Give some people notice, you know. And I can't stand that. When you put money into the fare money, into the machine, it won't give you back all these coins. Like, yo, I don't need all these coins. Why can't you give back dollar bills? You give me all these coins. What am I going to do with all this change? Grants the change still works, you know. Ain't nothing wrong with the coins. I'm just saying. I don't literally want coins, even though we like, oh, yeah, we collecting our coins. Yeah, but I don't want to literally collect coins. 
I don't want all that change. I don't want a jingle. Public transportation, people try to get where they got to go. Let's do better. That's very real. Like, that jingling is not the move. That's so not the move <laughs> to be walking up and down the street jingling because you got change all up in your pocket. And then what you look like when you're trying to go to, like, you know, you just, like, want to get, like, a little coffee or, you know, like, you know, you always want to stop and get a cup of tea from somewhere, and you're paying them in all these quarters. Because be obviously like, you're going to use those coins. I mean, you're going to use those. I mean, come on. <laughs> we can't afford to waste coins. No, I use the coins. Right, but it's just crazy. You know, at the transportation, so I have coins. I use them at the meters. But parking meters don't accept dollars, though, dollar coins, Mm -hmm. which is also petty. So I have all these dollar coins. So I started tipping my nail tech. um, So when I get Mm -hmm. my nails in, my nail tech, she expects quarters and coins and dollars from me now and coins because she knows I just, I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to get rid of these coins. It's like, will you take your tipping coins? And she's just like, okay. It's money. That's right. Money is money. So I have one more petty moment that I want to share, Portia. One thing that I think is petty is that we continue to, even though, like, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about loving your body and not um, gauging your body based on what you see in a magazine or on a TV show or on social media, but we have to stop judging the life circumstances of others um, or judging our ourselves based on an incomplete analysis of someone else's life. And I know, um, you know, the kind of culture that we're in now, um, the kind of news cycle that we're in, the kind of way that people like to post their lives on social media and that some of us like to post our lives on social media, um, we really get in a process of being super, super judgmental. And uh, I know that definitely I'm a person who you know, likes to analyze what other people are doing and can be judgy. Um, you know, I am a full-on INTJ in terms of my Myers-Briggs. I'm, I'm proud of it, and that's just who I am. Um, at the same time, I am beginning to learn. I think like Portia said, I think now that we're getting into our upper 20s, um, I'm like, I can't continue to live my life based on what I think is going on in someone else's life. And I definitely can't judge myself based on what I think someone else is doing. I have to run my own race. And, you know, when I think back about my college years, especially in terms of academics, but also just in terms of my social life and my self-perception, I understand that part of the reason why my college years were really difficult for me is because I refused to follow my passions because I saw other people, like, quote, unquote, succeeding, doing very different things. And so I thought, okay, I need to go over there and do that or at least pretend to be proficient in that because that's what the successful or interesting people are doing. And now I have such more, like, laser focus in my life on the things that God has called me to do, and I'm able to really closely hold on to and guard those things. So, like, I'm super passionate about um, studying black Christian women's history. I'm super passionate about, like, you know, kind of negotiating what it is and what it historically has been to be a black woman in the world. I'm super passionate about, like, educating and inspiring the next generation and about, you know, empowering them to really feel like they can go out into the world and have a voice. And I know that because those are the passions that God placed in me, those passions are not too small, they are not too insignificant. And they are what I should focus on, and they are where I can make a valuable contribution in the world. And I don't need to judge myself based on, like, oh, I think so-and-so is out here doing 10,000 other things, and so-and-so has the money to go on this, you know, vacation or trip, or, you know, their relationship looks like this or that. Um, And I also, you know, am just trying to grow in my ability if I see someone doing something that I think they shouldn't be doing, whatever that means, also not judging that, letting people run their own race. You know, if someone wants to come and talk to me and say, you know, do you have any feedback or advice on this? Like, yes, I think that's my place to give feedback or advice if I have any, but not from a place of judgment, really from a place of, you know, love and respect. Um, and, you know, I think it's just important to keep our eyes off of other people's papers. Like, let other people live their lives. Like, stay <laughs> – Stay on your lane. It's really petty to be driving in other people's lanes and just be putting your eyes on other people's papers. So don't be petty to yourself. Don't be petty to other people. Just live the one beautiful life that God has given you. And, you know, if it's your calling to go out into the world and make a positive impact in people's lives, really, you know, the Holy Spirit will guide you in terms of what that looks like and how to do that in a way that's loving and kind and gracious and that's not 
you know, judgmental and um, bearing down on other people and, you know, not staying in your lane. Like, I think that the Holy Spirit will guide us to do exactly what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, as people of faith, you know, not listening to the Holy Spirit is petty. And even if you're not a person of faith, you know, there is an inner consciousness and an inner voice that will tell you what you ought to be doing and listen to it because it's there for a reason. Intuition, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, it's there for a reason. So listen up. Don't be petty. Stop judging. That's so funny that you um, were, like, sharing that. Uh, And I really, really appreciate it because I was reading uh, Jonah, and I just kept getting, like, laughs to myself. And like how Jonah was, like, (laughs) petty, uh, doing, like, this is what I want to do, even though God is telling me I need to go do this and I need to go do to Nineveh and go talk to these people, but I'm about to get on this boat and go to Tarshish. And and then how at the end of the text, like, Jonah is, like, really, really judgy, (laughs) and God still has to check Jonah, like, yo, bruh, like, I say all that to say that knowing what you are called to do and what you're being called to, so not just what we are called to do in terms of what we are created to do, but the systems and the structures and the spaces that we are called to speak in. It all looks different, and we all have a different call. And I agree with you. Like, we need to stay in our lane and do what it is that we're being called to. Everybody's not going to be you know, an influencer and brand ambassador on Instagram. Everybody's not going to be the professor in the classroom. Everyone's not going to be the pastor in the pulpit. Everyone's not going to be the lawyer in the courtroom. Um, Everyone's not going to be, you know, a doctor. But whatever it is you are called to do, do it and do it well. And Stop looking at other people and what they're doing and comparing it to where God has you. Like, and it's so interesting that as a culture we do that all the time. And then we assume that what we see on social media, what people do, is their actual and authentic lives. Um, in, some, in some situations it is, um, and in some situations it's not. Like, I'm one of those people when if I ain't got nothing going on, I just kind of fall off the radar. Like, you just don't hear from me. Like, I'm not about to just – post just for the sake of posting. You know what I mean? Like, I'm that kind of person where I know, like, I like, you know, rambling. I'm a good rambler on social media, so I do that, like, and that's okay. Like, you know, sometimes I just talk about absolutely nothing, and that's okay because people come to my stuff to hear me talk about absolutely nothing, and that's okay. You know, and then there are moments, like, where people who have wonderful, influential things, like, we are always, like, going for the quotes, like Alex L., who can write, like, ten words and get, like, a million likes because people go for her aspirations, and it's cool, you know. And, yeah, we just all got to, like, stay in our lane, do what God has called us to do. I agree with Jamie. I 100% agree. So thank you for sharing that. That's so good. Yeah, right on. And, like, I mean, what you said about Jonah is so real because, like, when I, when I was thinking at the study for a moment, I actually was exactly thinking about Jonah because I think for a lot of us, you know, especially young adults who went to divinity school, like a lot of us can really relate to Jonah because there's this feeling of just like, you know, the entire Jonah story, right? He's like running away from this like very particular call that God has placed on him because he's like, God, mm-mm, no, wrong call, right? And that's the way that I honestly, when I was called to ministry, especially when I knew there wasn't a different route that I could take, I was like, God, wrong call. Like, <laughs> you got something else, God? Like, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, but not that. Um, <laughs> and then finally Jonah does what God tells him to do and then Jonah wants to and like the thing about it is it's like actually Jonah's like the most effective prophet in the Old Testament if we're being real about it because the people were like oh no like sackcloth and ashes like let's get our lives together like they really heard what Jonah was saying to them and then Jonah went to sit outside and be mad because they actually decided to, to repent and turn to God and it's like really Jonah? Really, that is so petty. And what we need right now, I think, um, you know, first of all, not all of us are prophets. Let's just be. All of us have different gifts. Like, God has given each of us different gifts. So I think that's the other thing. Like, even in ministry, right, we can get real competitive with each other, even in ministry. And that's petty. Understand that, yes, God called you, but God didn't call Jamie to do what Portia is doing. God didn't call Portia to do what old girl over there is doing, right? Like we all are called in ministry to do different things. So there are different ways to be, you know, an effective um, minister and to be an effective steward of your call. But like what we really need are people who are able to befriend in the way that Nathan did with David. 
and really able to speak truth to power in those kinds of really friendship, kind, gracious, loving, like coming from a place of compassion sort of places. So, yeah. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm, you know, wrestling with, especially in the season of my life where I'm not in traditional ministry and, you know, I ain't mad at anybody else about it. Like, I'm glad to finally be in my proper lane. Um, but I'm also trying to work out, okay, like, what is my ministry? What does that look like? And I think that's constant, even when I was in traditional ministry, right? I'm still working with, like, okay, but, like, where exactly in this do I fit? And I fit. And it's fine. And it's all good. I think that whole conversation on fit is so important. And knowing um, – and discerning the seasons that we're into. So that's something that I've had to, like, wrestle with. Um, and so I guess now we're having a moment of transparency in our own <laughs> lives and how, and how we can be petty in even our own calls and trying to fight God and fight the Holy Spirit on some things. Um, I've come to realize, um, even in my own walk and in my own call, where I have wrestled with the call to senior pastor. Um, whether to is God calling me to the senior pastor position or is God calling me to be a support, to be the, um, to be the Peters, to be the Timothys, to be not necessarily to be the one who is the leader, quote, unquote, but to be the person who is the assistant. And I've come to learn in my own walk that second chair is definitely not second best. And, and I have worked with enough people and I have enough pastor and preacher friends to know that. And I know that, quote, unquote, the second seat is graced with an entirely different amount of grace than what the senior pastor has. And it's a different type of responsibility than the senior pastor has. And it is one that is worth it. It is one that is amazing. It is one that I honor, particularly in this season of my life. Like, I don't know what the other seasons are going to be in my life as they come, right? Um, I just know where I am right now and where I've been. But, yeah, like I said, I wrestle with that, um, the call to the pastorate or whether or not that I, if I even want to do it, well, most days I don't want to do it. <laughs> but, I mean, but overall, like, I know where God is leading me, where God is calling me, but I also know where to be faithful to in the particular season that I'm in. And I think that's also something that we also have to understand is that we must be faithful to where God has called us in the seasons that we're in, knowing that it's not forever because seasons come and go and seasons pass away. One of my favorite Bible studies that I have written, because I write Bible study curriculums, (laughs) y'all, for for people and for places and stuff, um, you know, on the side. But and, and one of my favorite ones that I've written was on the book of Jonah and I absolutely love it and it's one that I not just wrote but one that I go back to. Um, you know, on occasion and just like, yeah. And sometimes I forget that I wrote it because it's like I it's so personal and it's so deep for me and it's like not just a intentional study but just a walk. But anyway, I'm rambling. Didn't I tell y'all people uh, come to my Instagram page to hear me ramble about nothing? But anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm rambling again. That was rich. Uh, It was like a sidebar to our petty conversation, which I think is good because, you know, Jamie and I, we have so much to say. We have so much to share in our walks. Yeah, both petty when we are petty and then when we experience the pettiness in others. And I think, you know, it's when you can pull out the petty in your own eye um, before pulling out the petty in your brother or sister's eye. <laughs> you see what I did? That there? is a hilarious reworking of scripture. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> pull the petty out of your own eye and then pull the petty out of your neighbor's eye. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That might be another tagline for just two pearls. <laughs> yeah, pull out the petty in your eye before pulling out the petty in your in your neighbor's eye. And it's kind of like that, um, you know, you have to put on your own mask before you can put the mask on others. <laughs> thing on the airplane. Yeah, that's it. 
Awesome. Not so fast, girls. Before you go, we have one more thing to share with you. We really, really, really do like hearing from you all. We love your letters. We we love your stories. We love the intimate stories that you all share with us, too, about how the show touches your lives in personal ways. But, you know, and we love your feedback and how y'all laugh at us. And it's great. Like, we really enjoy it. But we also really want to incorporate you all into that as well. We want to share our platform with you, um, you know, not just, you know, because we have a show, but, you know, if you have something you want to share, we are open to it. And so, yeah, heed our call. Yeah, so write to us. Yeah, I mean, if you um, have written a book, if you uh, just have something you want to talk about, like whatever the case may be, we are always open and willing and excited to hear from listeners. So if you have any listener questions, whatever you want, because, um, just you curls, obviously, like Portia said, it's, it's our platform, but it's a platform that's really here especially to, um, you know, aid millennial Christian women um, in our walk and in our journey um, and just to be real and transparent about what that looks like. So, you know, there's something even that we say that you disagree with, like we want to hear from you. So please feel free to reach out to us and all of our content information we say at the end of the show every single time but we do we we read uh comments on instagram twitter facebook um we receive your emails and we love hearing from you so i guess that's all for today so remember to uh remove the petty from your eye so that you can remove the petty from your neighbor's eye Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Just Two Pearls. And you can email us at adventures at just two pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.